It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to another episode of Locked on Dolphins. We're doing it live here on the YouTube stream. It's Monday night. If you're listening on the podcast feed, it is Tuesday. And obviously, the big news that came through yesterday was the Dolphins are beginning to pare down their roster, starting a number of roster cuts, looking specifically at Matt Skura on the offensive line. Cut. Benardrick McKinney, linebacker. Cut. The same guy that they brought in with the trade for Shaq Lawson. Uh, And that obviously has a pretty notable reaction amongst Dolphins fans who have a lot of questions as far as why this decision was chose to be made. You look at all the other cuts that happened early on uh, throughout the course of Monday's cuts. And this was the surprise. We knew the numbers game was going to prompt some difficult decisions for the Dolphins and their 53-man roster. And obviously, uh, this was one of those that really felt like it was out of left field. So the first one that dropped, the first shoe that dropped was Matt Skura. And when the Dolphins made the trade this weekend for an offensive lineman who had experience starting at center uh, back in 2016 or whatever it was with the Houston Texans uh, and has played guard and center throughout the course of his career, we knew Matt Skura Uh, had not been given opportunities to play anything other than center. We kind of thought the writing was on the wall. And sure enough, Skura was one of the notable early cuts for the Dolphins throughout the course of the day on Monday. But when the McKinney one came through, it was like, ooh, oh, wait, really? So that's been a lot of tweets. I just got done doing draft dudes. We did a live stream at 7.30 p.m. on Monday night. And all the comments from Dolphins fans, and you guys showed up big time, you were asking, what in the heck is going on with Bernard McKinney? This, to me, uh, there appears to be some kind of cap motivations involved here. And this was something that uh, SpotTrack had tweeted out on Monday morning. And then I went in and I used SpotTrack's tool and I made all of my predicted cuts for what the 53-man roster was going to look like. And pretty much the point from SpotTrack was, hey, the Dolphins have $21 million in cap space that they need to clear in going from an 80-man roster to a 53-man roster, which is the second highest figure in the NFL that they got to clear with these cuts to get down to 53 in order to be cap compliant this year. I was about 500K short on my estimates for cuts for who was going to make the roster and who was not to get cap compliant. So the name that first came to mind for me was, of course, Jakeem Grant, because we've been talking about potentially moving on from Jakeem Grant for, oh, I don't know, seven months at this point. Jakeem Grant, you could save potentially 4 million plus by cutting 
ties with Jakeem Grant, uh, whether that's via trade or cut at this point in the process. So that was the first name that came to mind. I obviously did not expect a linebacker that the team traded for this offseason in moving Shaq Lawson to be the guy who had the axe dropped on him. And not even like a 4 p.m. on Tuesday cut, a Monday cut. Uh, So I do think there is a little bit of cap weight here. And I think uh, when you reflect on the move of Lawson for McKinney and then the contract restructure and now the cut of McKinney, McKinney almost, it, it almost felt like this was a roundabout way to do two things. Save money off of that Shaq Lawson contract. That was a three-year, $30 million contract that they signed last offseason. And we're going to get into that because I see a lot of anti-Chris Greer stuff on the timeline yet again. And we're going to tackle that here on today's show. Uh, But also, uh, this was the insurance policy for Landon Roberts. And that's what it feels like. I'm not saying that's exactly what it was. But Roberts comes back off the PUP. We didn't know what the timetable was. He had a serious knee injury that ended his year back in late December last year after Christmas. Didn't know, was he going to start the year on the PUP? They obviously brought him back. And here's the thing. He's got sweat equity with the Dolphins. He played last year. He turned it on last year in the second half of the season as a run stuffer. And they have trust with him in this system because his time with Flores went all the way back to New England. Now, with that said, I'm not justifying the cut. I'm trying to explain the cut because I wouldn't have made the cut. There, If you're trying to save cap, I would have gone four different directions before Bernardrick McKinney's name even came up in a personal conversation that I had. But the Dolphins have obviously a much larger sample size to make their their evaluations and, and judgments than I do, they're not going to bat a 1,000. And again, we're going to get into that when we talk about Chris Greer a little later on today or slash tonight if you're watching live. Uh, we're going to get into that a little later on in the show. They're, they're never going to bat a 1,000. But I thought Bernard McKinney showed plenty to be on the roster. Maybe they felt concerned about coming back off of McKinney's own injury last year on what his athleticism looked like to be a three-down threat, and if they were going to try to stand him up as a an outside linebacker in pass rush situations and what they feel like they're getting from Sam McGuavin and Jalen Phillips and Andrew Van Ginkle and those Brennan Scarlett. I don't know. I don't know. But personally, this would not have been the kind of cut that I would have – made because I was very enthusiastic about what Bernard McKinney brings to the table. So every once in a while, I'll see a couple of guys say, oh, yeah, Kyle's great, but he's too overly optimistic about the team. Well, let this serve as a great example of I don't agree with this cut. The best I can do now is try to figure out what were the variables that made it make sense. I'm never nobody's ever going to agree on 100 percent of anything. Right. So McKinney, here's the financial fallout of the cut of Bernard McKinney and the trade for of Shaq Lawson for McKinney, which happened earlier on this offseason. The Dolphins are on the hook for approximately $3.5 million in dead cap between McKinney and Shaq Lawson. When you consider that Lawson was getting an annual average salary of $10 million per before they decided they wanted to move on because 
They wanted a little bit more dynamic, natural pass rush threat. And obviously they went out and they drafted Jalen Phillips in the first round. And guys like Andrew Van Ginkle did emerge as a player. Um, it's not a bad way to go about getting out of a lot of financial commitments. Um, obviously the, the Dolphins made this work by undergoing that contract restructure with McKinney, which they did last month, like literally four weeks ago. So they've done well from a financial perspective to cut their losses. Ultimately at the end of the day, it is a loss from the start of the process to where we are at this point, not having anything to show for 2021. You would, of course, probably like to get something back for a player like Bernard McKinney, but Houston just traded Shaq Lawson for a sixth to the New York Jets. So both of the primary player pieces in that original deal, uh, not even going to see a snap for their new teams that are now their old teams, which is why they call the NFL not for long. Uh, but uh, there, there's lots to get into here. Um, I do think in the, the surface level, just so you guys are all on the same page with where I'm at personally, this probably isn't a cut that I would have made. He was on my 53-man roster projection. I anticipated he was going to be a, a starter for the Dolphins. This tells me they feel really good about where Landon Roberts is at uh, more than anything else. And this kind of felt like McKinney was your Landon Roberts insurance. It's that time of year again, all eyes turning back to the gridiron. It's football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including the half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest open now at Bet Online. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 100% welcome bonus. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener for the NFL season between the Bucks and the Cowboys. And if you lose, your wage will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Great to see a bunch of you guys here in the chat. This is really cool. We obviously did this yesterday in the post game uh, for the Dolphins win over the Bengals. Uh, we're doing it again here tonight. There's a lot of information that's going to be coming out fast and furious. If you're listening to this on the podcast feed, uh, I'm probably going to be late on some news, right? That's just the nature of the roster cutdowns, and it is what it is. But I do want to shout out everybody in the comments here on the YouTube channel, Locked on Dolphins. You can hit subscribe, follow along, or if video and live streaming is not your thing, just keep listening on the podcast feed. Hit subscribe on Locked on Fins. You can do that just as well, and we can continue to bring you all of the best possible Dolphins content that we can. Uh, see guys like Julian, Kyle, Steven, Ryan, Ricardo, Ken, 
Jonathan, Julian. Shout out to all you guys who are in here in the comments section and talking uh, a little Dolphins football. It's great to see all you guys. I hope you guys are enjoying your Monday evening. Now, with that said, let's get back to some regularly scheduled programming because I have some additional thoughts here. Uh, most notably, there's a lot of anti-Chris Greer sentiment on the timeline once again, and this seems to happen anytime there's anything with any level of controversy. It's, man, I, what is the vision with Chris Greer? Chris Greer is really wasteful with his assets. What is going on here? To which I counter, and, and maybe it's because I'm a draft guy. I don't know if it's because I'm a draft guy, and I see so much of the roster construction across the entire NFL landscape. This is par for the course. Guys, the, the, no team's going to bat 1,000. You can't possibly look at a, a player with 100% accuracy and watch him perform in an environment somewhere else in one of the other 31 places across the league or, alternatively, on a completely different level of competition down at the college level. Evaluate that player. Project him into what you want to do while you're still getting to know the player as a person and their personality, and what's going on in their personal lives, and so on and so forth, and correctly value those players while having to battle 31 other franchises for their services in many cases, win the financial battle or the draft battle to get those guys in-house, and never be wrong. It just doesn't work that way. And I, I don't know from a, a, a Miami fan, I see so many... Dolphins fans on uh, the, the, my Twitter timeline who are also Miami Heat fans, right? Pat Riley's a completely different animal. And Pat Riley is one of the gold standards of executives at the NBA level that I think makes it hard sometimes to say objective about what's taking place in Miami with the Dolphins. Right, because you, you you think about guys like Jeff Ireland, you think about guys like Mike Tannenbaum, you think about guys even going before that, and there are so many other obvious flaws in the ways that this team has tried to have been constructed before that were not honest about where this franchise was, and if we get two years down the line and the Dolphins have hit the plateau, then I'll probably be ready to have a kind of conversation about Chris Greer and where this team is at. But at the same time, we have to remember this team two years ago was torn down to the studs by design. This was exactly what the plan was. Now, when you have that kind of turnover, and this is not the first time I've said this on this podcast, but I think it bears repeating again because people are going to get caught off guard by some of the transactions this team makes, and people are going to get frustrated by using hindsight and pointing to say, well, they should have done this here. They shouldn't have spent this money here. You have to spend your money. And I look at a team like the Indianapolis Colts. There's a great example somewhere else in the NFL. Chris Ballard is one of the best talent evaluators in the game. Chris Ballard has been masterful with the Colts cap. 
to the point in which they have consistently for the last three years, despite being a competitive team, been in the top three in the NFL in salary cap space. But they've been overly conservative in some spaces. And what you're seeing and, and what the expectation is for the Colts this year is they have a really strong foundation for a team, but they've hit that plateau. And it's because the Colts are afraid to make the big investments. They're sitting on their money. They're not spending their money. They're afraid to swing on a quarterback to the point which they're gambling on Carson Wentz, who has already broken a foot or whatever his issue was with his foot that had him already have surgery. And now he's on the COVID list. And of course, COVID's a different animal. You can't really control it. But Carson Wentz hasn't been a reliable starting quarterback in the NFL for three years since 2017 when he's an MVP candidate before he tore his ACL. The Colts, three years ago, you were really excited about the foundation. But what they did is what some people want to point at Chris Greer and say they should, he should have done. Don't spend the money on guys like Eric Flowers and Kyle Van Noy. What good is that going to do you? Well, the team's not going to win 10 games like they did last year. You'll have all this extra cap space. Great. But what good is cap space? It's an honest question because last I checked, the Dolphins are top three in cap space for 2022 as things currently stand right now. I believe they're second with six projected $61 million in spending power. So I don't really care what they spent last year. Those were players who contributed to a 10-win team. That's the objective. That's the point of the game. And when you tear this thing down, and Ken, you're next on my list because the New England Patriots are next in my crosshairs to talk about when we're talking about competitive teams. It's exactly what I want to talk about next. Ken, in the comments, said the Patriots traded a two for Mohamed Sanu. That's just the most recent example of massive gaffes at the wide receiver position for Bill Belichick, who's going to go down as one of, and I say one of very deliberately, one of the greatest head coaches in NFL history. Before we get there, got to tell you guys about our friends at rockauto.com. RockAuto.com is a family business who's been providing auto parts customers with high-quality service online for the last 20 years. So whether you're shopping for engine control modules, brake parts, taillights, motor oil, or even new carpet for your classic or daily driver, RockAuto.com has everything you need in one easy-to-navigate catalog. And in just a few clicks, you can get everything delivered directly to your front door. Best of all, price is the same at RockAuto.com for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why would you shop anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So visit rockauto.com for all your auto parts needs and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need over at rockauto.com. Let me know if this sounds familiar. You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone. Your phone. And you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. I want to tell you about a simple way to get all of that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way that's finally going to allow you to get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream. And it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again, and the best part is there's no annual contract. Get rid of the clutter and the confusion. Get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. 
compatible device required. Content varies by package. So we had the comment from Ken about the Patriots trading a two for Mohamed Sanu. Do you guys want to take a little walk through memory lane and review the New England Patriots draft classes over the last five years in a Super Bowl win-now window? And maybe that's why I have a little bit more patience for Chris Greer and the swings and misses, right? Understanding they tore the entire thing down. This is a natural part of that process. Now, that doesn't necessarily explain Bernard McKinney. I'm trying to get into the thought process of this move. And again, it feels like salary dump uh, and getting out of that Shaq Lawson contract and insurance free Landon Roberts, who has since proven he'd come back. They trust him more. He's been in the system longer, whatever. No, it's not how I would have handled it. But the larger point is investment of assets and what you have to show for it. Patriots, let's start with 2000. How far do you guys want to go back? 2015? Malcolm Brown, defensive tackle. He served for a starter for five years since 2015. Jordan Richards was a top 64 pick. Not good. Geno Grissom, out of the league. Trey Flowers, played his rookie contract in New England. Bounced over, he's playing in Detroit. Trey Flowers, or Trey Jackson, excuse me, out of the league. Shaq Mason, a massive hit for them in the fourth round. Good for them. Joe Cardona, a long snapper. Matt Wells, out of the league. Adre Derby, out of the league. Daryl Roberts, corner. He's got a career AV, according to Pro Football Reference, of 12 uh, in seven seasons. So he's effectively a bench player, wire to wire. Xavier Dixon, outside linebacker, out of the league. Never started uh, a game for the Patriots. Didn't play in a game for the Patriots. So that 2015 draft, they had 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 draft picks, and what they had to show for it was Malcolm Brown for a while as a solid rotational player. Trey Flowers, solid for the tail two end, the two final two years of his rookie contract there, and Shaq Mason, who's still a staple there. So you got two and a half starters, if you want to call it that, and obviously they, they didn't retain that talent. Brown's off the team. Trey Flowers is off the team. 2016. Cyrus Jones, cornerback, top pick. Joe Thune, a hit in round three. That's the one thing they have drafted well. And, of course, that's another sticking point. Another conversation for another day is how the Dolphins have targeted offensive linemen and what that perception is of the offensive line, despite the fact that it's a really young group, right? I'm not going to hold it against them yet. We need more clarity. We need a bigger sample size. Jacoby Brissett, okay? He's the Dolphins' backup quarterback. He started in Indianapolis. They traded him uh, to the Colts for uh, some mid-round picks. You want to call that a push? That's fine. Vincent Valentine, is that a good pick in the third round? Top 100 pick? Malcolm Mitchell, wide receiver. He's out of the league. Played 14 career games. Camus Grugier-Hill. He's bounced around a little bit. Elandon Roberts. In the sixth round, Ted Karras, some familiar names here from the 2016 draft class. 2017, they made four picks. Derek Rivers, Antonio Garcia. Those two guys have played a combined 19 games between them. They were drafted in 2017. Dietrich Weiss Jr. and Connor McDermott. Weiss Jr. is a solid player who was drafted in the fourth round. 2018, two first round picks, Isaiah Wynn and Sony Michelle. 
Sony Michelle off the roster. Isaiah Wynn can't stay healthy. He can't really control that. Their second round pick that year was Duke Dawson. Not a good football player. Juwan Bentley plays for them. I wouldn't necessarily classify him as a quality player. Then from there, it's a bunch of sixth and seventh round picks. Nothing of note. 2019, Nikhil Harry first round pick. He's on the trade block. Joe Juan Williams in the second round with a top 50 pick. He doesn't play for them with any consistent amount of snaps. Like, do you, do you get where we're going here? Like, that's the New England Patriots. Having a quality quarterback goes such a long way in covering so much of the flaws and the law of averages. And of course, what you saw last year for New England was the root cause of like five, six years of this inconsistent drafting and return on investment. And it is what it is. But I look at what the Dolphins have pulled in the draft. And even if you're not a fan of some of the players that they're bringing in, they have more to show for it at this point than that. And they're showing that they have flexibility and they're willing to get creative to get out of contracts that they're paying guys. And like I just got done talking about with Chris Ballard and the Colts, I would rather have a guy who spends and have guys who can contribute, even if you don't want them to be year-over-year long-term investments, then sit on a bunch of money and do nothing with it, especially when you tear the roster down from the top bottom. So this is obviously a, a podcast that was committed to talking about Bernard McKinney, but as I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm reading the reactions to fans and it just becomes, oh, let's, let's dump on the team, let's dump on the vision. You know, the, the vision, you want to blame Chris Greer. You know who else is responsible for a lot of the personnel decisions in Miami? Brian Flores. He is. It's a collaborative effort. Joe Rose came on this show and literally said from a draft perspective, Chris Greer told him, I am never going to draft a player that I can't get my head coach on board with and he doesn't want to make. So if you want to dump on Chris Greer, just know you're also dumping on Brian Flores. And I would rather have that and have swings and misses and take a part of a process that we're entering into only year three in, by the way, then have an owner at the top who has a VP of football ops, a GM, and a head coach who are all directly reporting to that owner at the top, fighting to climb over top of each other in a power struggle and dynamic for if the team underwhelms, I don't want to be the guy that loses my job. And that's what the Dolphins were for 10 years. That's what they were for 10 years. So if this is what it has to look like entering into year three, coming off a 10-win season with a young quarterback who looks great. We have high expectations for the team, and the Dolphins managed to address my top three needs on the defensive side of the ball while still bringing in a bunch of extra wide receivers. I don't care. I don't care that they swing and miss because the process is good. And from a big-picture perspective, when you look at the entire league, this happens everywhere. So please, I implore you, have a little bit of patience with this process. Understand it's not always going to look the way you expect. They're not going to bat a 1,000. That's an unrealistic expectation. And for a lot of Miami sports fans, you watch Pat Riley and he crushes it year in and year out. What's the process? Screw the process, right? The Heat fans talk about the Philadelphia 76ers. The Dolphins had a process. The Heat didn't have to do that. But it's a lot different when you only got five guys on the court and they both play offense and defense versus having 11 guys on one unit and you got a 53-man roster. It's a totally different ballgame. And Pat Riley's one of the GOATs. But you can't compare Pat Riley and his success with the Miami Heat 
and have that same level of expectation and consistency with so many more variables and moving parts in the game of football. Man, Taylor, you're brutal, man. I just got on my soapbox, talked a bunch. Taylor's sitting here talking about Hunter Long dropping that ball against the Bengals. This is why I like doing the live stuff, get a little bit of an opportunity to interact with you guys and get your thoughts on this in the comment section. It, it's been great. It's been great seeing you guys kind of chime in and uh, have your observations. Uh, as I, I talked about this, I wanted to jump on a little earlier, but you know what? It, it's late on Monday night. But at the same time, I wanted to really collect my thoughts and compose my thoughts because just getting on and getting to complain about cutting McKinney because it's not a move that I agree with, that's pretty hollow. You guys don't want to hear that. So I wanted to offer you guys the big picture view. And of course, it wouldn't be a show of Locked On Dolphins with a little bit of hype for Kirk Merritt like we currently have in the comment section. So if you're listening to this on the podcast feed, we're going to do these pretty regularly. YouTube, Locked On Dolphins, hit subscribe. If you're listening on the podcast feed, you're not interested in live streams, like I said a little earlier, that's fine. Just hit subscribe here on Locked On Dolphins. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'll talk with you guys again soon. Fins up. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Have a great Tuesday, everybody. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.